everyone. I'm Louise Rumble and I am so excited to introduce Open House, a fresh, fun and real podcast that explores the amazing impact that therapy and human connection can have on all areas of our lives. This is Open House and everyone is invited. We hope you enjoy. Hey guys and welcome back to Open House. Today's session is our second live therapy workshop recorded in partnership with Fora London. Christmas is always glorified as the most wonderful time of the year. But in reality, Christmas actually means a lot of different characters and personalities all coming back under one roof for extended periods of time, which can often be reminiscent of childhood dynamics, stressful situations and personalities that just don't work well together. Alternatively, with this year's pandemic, you might be feeling more lonely than ever before. So whatever this year throws at you, if your Christmas isn't as perfect as everyone else's Instagram makes out, don't worry, you're not alone. Hopefully, by listening to this workshop, you'll understand that an awareness of the situations that might arise, as well as being better able to manage your reactions to them, is definitely the starting point to this Christmas perhaps being a little less stressful than it might be. I absolutely love doing these live workshops with you, and please remember to head over to the Open House website to grab your worksheet if you want to use it either during the workshop or afterwards. As ever, if you enjoy the episode, please do rate us on Apple Music and share your experience to social media. Together, we can support our mission of helping people thrive, not just survive, by providing access to free therapy resources to everyone. Let's head into the workshop. Hi, everyone. I'm Louise Rumble, founder of Open House, and welcome to our second workshop. Thank you for joining us in this beautiful, beautiful reading room at Fora Soho. Founded in 2016, Fora is the tailored workspace that provides its residents with spaces to be happy and healthy in order to deliver their best work. So with our thank yous out of the way, it's now onto the workshop and we are so excited to have you join us. Thank you for giving us your time today. 2020 has been an incredibly challenging year with all things coronavirus. And as we're now into winter and with the end of 2020 fast approaching, I know that there's a lot of mixed feelings out there about how the year has already come to an end. Certainly been an interesting year for me, um, and I'm so happy to be here with Dr. Helen so we can work through this in a bit more detail, and hopefully you can take away some helpful tips and tricks to end your year in the right way. Hi everyone, I'm Dr. Helen, a clinical psychologist, and in today's workshop we're going to be going through five things. We're going to be thinking about seasonal affective disorder and giving you tips and tricks on how to beat the winter blues. We're also going to be talking about loneliness and how to manage being alone during lockdown. Mm. Then we're going to be looking at a locus of control exercise to help you really focus your energy in a positive way rather than drain energy in unnecessary worries. And finally, we'll be taking a compassionate and reflective look back at the year and setting some really positive goals for next year. So without further ado, let's get cracking. Yes. (laughs) And just one quick reminder, which is that um, we have the Q&A function going. So please do put through any questions that you have about the session. Um, We're going to pick up a couple throughout and any that we can't get to, we will be sure that we can get to them at a later date um, so we can provide you all the answers that you need. Um, So yeah, thank you. And I'm really excited to do this with you. I feel like it's been a difficult year for all. And I know that now we're in winter, things just get a bit more difficult. So I think this will be a great workshop for everyone. Yeah. So obviously, this is a Corona Christmas. It is very different to the Christmases we've had. But historically, how have you coped with the winter months? So I think it's interesting, because if you had asked me that last year, I would have said absolutely awfully. Um, 
I feel like I spent years spending Christmas in another country because my parents um, spend a lot of time living in South Africa. And I used to live in Dubai, so sometimes I'd be in Dubai. So historically, not good. I almost was scared of the dark, scared of the cold, the short days. Um, yeah, so not great. But this year, definitely feeling... Definitely feeling a bit more positive about it. Mm. Well, that's really good to hear. And I think, you know, some of us do cope with the long winters by getting away. And it's just something we can't rely on mm. during this corona period. Are you missing having a holiday to look forward to? Yeah, so every Christmas we would be in South Africa with my parents. And this year, obviously, we just don't know if that is going to be possible. So I think it it just puts the long, cold winter just... It's just sat out there waiting for me. Mm. Um, so it definitely makes it definitely makes it harder, but also makes me understand that I just have to be able to be happy where I am and not put my conditional happiness on something in the future. Mm. Sounds really good. Sounds like you're kind of mastering this winter and, and finding acceptance. Do you think that seasonal affective disorder is something that you've experienced before? So I think that in the last few years when my mental health was probably really not very good or isn't wasn't as under as control as it is now I definitely think it would have really impacted me um, I don't know if I was ever like diagnosed with it but I think that it probably meant lower moods and and just more like teary and mm. yeah so I don't know if that's if that's it um, but I definitely think it's had it's had historically impacts on my mental health for sure. yeah yeah and so I think we're all vulnerable to feeling a little bit more lethargic, a bit more sad during the winter months. Um, but seasonal affective disorder in its true form is happens to about one in 15 of us. And it's, um, it's triggered by the shorter days. Um, so that affects our melatonin level and it changes our circadian rhythms, um, which means that we often want to sleep more. Um, we feel more tired. We're also more susceptible to feeling like rejected and low. Um, so it can either trigger depression or just worsen your symptoms. Um, and it can be really debilitating for some people. I mean, have you experienced some of those symptoms? Uh, yeah, I think I definitely have had bouts of depression over the last few years. And I never really... I never really connected it to anything, but looking back, um, I reckon that, yeah, it probably was just made worse by the cold and the dark. And for me, I personally, I find it so upsetting when you look outside at 3pm and it's like getting dark or you wake up in the morning and it's it's dark already. Um, yeah. So, yeah, mm. maybe... And what do you do to manage that, you know, the long, dreary winter <laughs> months? So I think something that I do, which isn't a good thing, um, but as, as you know, I, my default coping mechanism for anything is just be busy. Mm. So I think that that helps me kind of just like move through things constantly. Whereas I can imagine if I take myself out of my own position and put myself in someone else's, if I was to just stay at home all the time and be super lethargic it could be quite bad mm -hmm. um but as I've gone on this journey and with 
you and with myself, I definitely understand the importance of coping strategies. So I take more active steps now. I take a vitamin D spray every morning. And I only started that like last week. So yes. I can't, can't pretend and that I've so been doing it. so many people have a vitamin D deficiency and just don't know about it. So, you know, there's no harm in getting a vitamin D yeah. spray over these winter months and just making sure your levels are topped up. I also read um, that it's directly... Um, connected to the efficiency of your immune system Mm. so I just thought that with everything pandemic going on it might just be like an extra boost to the immune system wouldn't harm definitely and for those of us who are like mixed race maybe originally from a hotter climate we're Mm. more susceptible to vitamin d deficiencies so definitely a good idea vitamin d people (laughs) yeah (laughs) um so I do that and I um Honestly, Himalayan salt lamps have absolutely changed my life. Mm. It sounds ridiculous, but every evening when it's dark, I put them on. I have four. It's extreme. Um, (laughs) But I have one in my office, one in my living room, and two in my bedroom, Mm. one either side of my bed. And when I put them on, the whole room kind of glows orange. Mm. And it... It's just so comforting. Like I always say it feels like I'm in utero, like I'm a baby (laughs) in my mum's stomach. It sounds weird. Um, but I find that it's like really warming subconsciously because mm. it obviously doesn't have any heat. Um, yeah. But I do that. Well, and I, yeah, I think that's really important what you're talking about is getting your environment right. So particularly now, a lot of us are working from home. Um, you know, we're spending a lot of time in our four walls. It's so important to get that environment, the atmosphere right in your home. So one way to beat seasonal affective disorder is to declutter, mm. get a nice environment, um, warm lighting, soft music, maybe even incense yeah. and love diffusers. Incense. <laughs> incense has changed my life. I, I love it so much. It just adds a whole other dimension to a room. Mm. Um, and another thing, it sounds silly, but I really, such an old lady, but I really think that a hot water bottle mm. or an electric blanket do wonders mm. because I've lived in houses over the years where, oh my goodness, like even if you heated them, the heat would just never come through in the way mm. you needed it. And luckily mine isn't like that now, but there's nothing worse than like going to bed or waking up freezing yeah. cold. I just think it starts the day just like, oh, this is horrible. Yeah, absolutely. And for those of, you know, as we have these short days, um, we can struggle a little bit with our sleep. Um, we may struggle to fall asleep and then wake up too late. So one way to help you get to sleep is to have a warm bath um, so that your core body temperature is heated up. And as you start to cool down, it has a soporific or sleepy effect on you. Soporific? Um, yeah. What of the day. I yeah. Uh, you know, wearing those warm socks, you know, making sure that you're warm as you fall asleep is really important. That's another thing. I also never owned a pair of slippers like my mom was always like oh do you want some slippers and I was like no I do not and then I got some slippers I was like this is life-changing purely because your feet don't touch the cold floor or like slightly colder floor so I just feel warmer so I'm turning into a proper old lady yeah with my salt lamps you and just my... need some cats now yeah not not doing that. Sorry, I'm actually allergic to cats so that was a big no for me dogs I can do dogs though yeah so um those are some really lovely ideas for setting your environment but you know some people will actually be quite affected by seasonal affective disorder and there are a couple evidence-based things that you can do so buying a good quality um, light box to simulate the blue light from yeah. the day is really important um, something I personally have is a as an alarm clock that wakes you up with natural I've got daylight. one of them 
And you can put sounds on it. Yeah. Yeah, I've got that. Um, I like that. So I, I really like that. It's a gentle way to wake up um, when my child decides not to wake up at 5am. <laughs> um, another thing is, you know, during the summer months, perhaps some of us got into the routine of going for a walk or getting our exercise after work. And now when it's cold and dark outside, it can put us off. So perhaps changing your schedule so that you get out in the morning, get as much natural daylight as you can, and then also get your exercise in. It's really, really important. Yeah. Uh, I I found that that's been something for me that's been really, really helpful, which is that mm. I know if I don't get my walk in in the morning, I I just won't do it. Um, So get up, 100 layers on, go to get a coffee or take a coffee out with me and put a podcast in or some music and just get that walk in or also I try and if I can if I'm going to see a client or to to meet a friend outside I'll try and walk there Mm. rather than getting on the tube so yeah definitely getting that vitamin d and just like the fresh air in as well absolutely in the morning has has to be the morning otherwise walking in darkness I'm like this is horrible yeah but importantly walking in darkness isn't going to improve your seasonal affective disorder you need to be getting as much natural sunlight as you can um now I know that a lot of us are just chained to our desks you know in front of zoom and video calls and I think it's really important to try and speak to your colleagues and your managers about taking some of these meetings on a walk because it's really easy to spend the whole day in meetings and then the whole evening doing all the work that comes out of those meetings but prioritizing your mental health at this point is really important so critical And being honest with yourself, you know, if you wake up every morning just not wanting to get up, not wanting to start the day, that's a really important signal that things aren't quite right and that you need to make some changes. Um, And if that is the case, also don't be afraid to get some help. So cognitive behaviour therapy has a strong evidence base for helping seasonal affective disorder. And also with all of these changes and challenges happening at this time, it can be really helpful just to feel supported and nurtured by a therapist and have a little bit of self-care time. Oh, yeah. I mean, you're preaching to the choir here. I'm like <laughs> the biggest pro-therapy person ever. I feel like what we've gone through this year has been a whirlwind. Mm-hmm. And um, please, if you need to talk to someone, um, please try and, and get that organised. I, mm. I, I wholeheartedly think it will make your life a better place. Yeah, and I think one thing that's come out of our therapy journey together is that just because you can do it all, it doesn't mean that you have to. And I think that before we would have these natural breaks in our day as we would commute to work and leave work, whereas now a lot of people, and myself included, can just you know, work all through the day without stopping. So it's really important to set boundaries and choose those tasks that are really going to move the dial. Yeah. Don't just take everything on because technically you can. I, I feel Please. like I, yeah, I knew, I knew that that was, she was talking to the camera, but really she was talking to me. Um, yeah, I agree. And I think that, I think that that's why I'm doing better this year is because I've gone on this journey and I understand the importance of picking the small things that move the dial and repeating them frequently and doing them every day. Um, Whereas last year and all the other years, it would have just been like, go, 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 keep going. And then all of a sudden it's like just, yeah, a bit nuts. Yeah, absolutely. And so what we've put in the worksheet for today is a morning routine. So often if we can just start our day 
with some good practices of meditation, of exercise, of journaling, maybe of connecting with friends, eating right. If we can just get that done in the morning, then it sets us up for the rest of the day. Sometimes if we are waiting to do an evening yoga class or something like that, it might not happen. And then a few days can go by and you can lose the momentum. So in the worksheet, you can plan a couple things, setting a regular wake time, setting some rituals um, just to help keep you on track. Yeah. And I think that since I've started to do that, I've seen such a huge change in really just like my life in general, which sounds Mm. ridiculous. Um, And I know how easy it is just to not do it. I've done my entire life not doing it. Um, But just just forcing myself to do the things that I know are good for the best version of me, Mm. um, I found have been helpful. So, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. And, um, you know, I think our circumstances are quite different. So I'm mum and it can be very difficult to start my day with mindfulness and meditation. But there are ways maybe of speaking with your partner about taking it in turns or perhaps even getting up an hour earlier and going to bed an hour earlier. So you're going to get up at 4am. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, um, you know, this is something that my husband decided he was going to do oh, really? because he was really getting slammed at work yeah. and he was realising he wasn't having any time to meditate journal and exercise which was keeping him on an even keel so we spoke together about how we were going to make sure he could do that every day and um, I love that I've definitely seen that on on Instagram there's a couple of mums who say um, that that hour or half hour before their kids wake up is what keeps them centered and, Mm. and grounded and even though for not a normal person but someone without kids would be like whoa that is so early like mm. if you told me to wake up before that to do my morning routine I would just be like I'm literally getting I'm not listening to you I'm leaving <laughs> um, but I, I think it could be so yeah that, that time is so important yeah just for you on your own before mum life starts yeah exactly and there's a quite a famous book called the 5am club which is about you know people who really make a difference in their life are willing to sacrifice an hour in the morning to you know work on their personal growth and development yeah I love that and also I feel like just for anyone at home that's like oh my god I hate the 5am club because they can never do that Mm. I think that actually the the meaning because I used to get up at 5 30 every single day and I was just it it was too much too intense too much like the hustle life Mm. but actually the the mentality of the book is is if you just ignore the 5am just ignore just focus on like the one hour before your day would normally start so if you don't have to be at your desk until 9 30 then you know focus on getting up at 7 30 so you can get that 7 30 to 8 30 in um don't be scared by the 5am exactly because I feel like I that used to be me and now I'm striving for balance so 5am I'm like no I don't think that's good for me (laughs) (laughs) yeah and it's just tapping is uh, tapping into your higher self tapping into the person you want to be given these circumstances Yeah. yeah okay so we've spoken quite a lot about changing your habits but I think this period also invites accepting where we are now and there's a really great book that Louise and I've read called The Active Acceptance of Sadness and that's by Catherine May and in that she speaks about winter being a time for hibernating, for regrouping, relaxing and chilling so you know particularly September and October can be months that are pretty full on you know lots of changes start the academic year and this is really a time to accept that you need to slow down you need to rest you need to regroup and you know I think that sometimes you feel that not doing any work means not progressing but I think that that's a 
a fallacy, really. Yeah. It's really important to have time to slow down, get some mental space, and think about the direction that you want to go in life. Not just be on autopilot, not just firefight, um, but really just time to be with yourself and to listen to your intuition or that inner voice that, that knows where you want to go. Yeah, I agree. I definitely think that um, as I've also developed on my own kind of like spiritual journey, I learned a lot about how everything in life um, is a balance and cyclical and everything um, comes and goes. Mm -hmm. And um, I think when I started to understand a little bit more that winter is required so Mm -hmm. that we can then go back into spring and summer, I've started to treat it definitely with some more compassion and, Mm -hmm. and just acknowledge it can't be summer forever, just like it can't be good emotions forever, you know? the bad ones come and then the painful ones come and then the beautiful ones come everything is cyclical um and I think that it's it's enabled me to just be like okay this is happening so let's lean into it and just do what I can do and nurture and rest and recharge Mm, yeah and and celebrate that time that invitation where you know nothing's going on really during this lockdown period the weather's terrible so enjoy the opportunity to have an early night and a bath and a hot chocolate um, and relish in it rather than you know feel angry that you can't do what you usually do yeah I think that mindset shift is is really important Mm. for sure yeah and there's a type of therapy called acceptance and commitment therapy which is all about finding that balance so you need to work on practicing mindfulness so that you accept where you are and you also kind of start doing the problem solving to think about some small changes you can make that will make a big difference i love that um i feel like we should yes let's have, have some a questions. look and see if there is things oh there are mm. lots of things coming in um so this one is good. This one's good. Okay. Um, okay. <laughs> I always find that I get more depressed in the winter months. Mm. I cope with it by drinking more, eating more, shopping more, and I just really never feel like I'm in control during this period. Do you have any tips for me? Mm. Um, that's interesting, isn't it? Yeah, that's interesting. I, I'm sure all of us can relate to that. Um, I think you know we seek comfort we we like to feel better and so Christmas really invites that opportunity to indulge to do um, retail therapy which isn't a a thing (laughs) not recommended in the nice guidelines Um, yeah so sometimes we try to almost fill a gap um, a deficit a hole in our lives with these external things and I really invite this um, uh, woman woman (laughs) sorry this woman maybe to look at what is where what is maybe missing uh in your life and what might be a more wholesome way of filling that gap so perhaps you're feeling a little bit sad and maybe maybe you're not really enjoying your job so much and so you want to feel better and have an instant gratification maybe this is the time now to look at changing your job or speaking to your manager about promotion or just focusing a little bit less on your job and more on some of the things that really bring you joy. Because ultimately, and Louise has been through this journey, things like alcohol don't fundamentally bring us joy. No, no way. Not at all. And I think that um, what I take from that question is that these things are coping mechanisms. um, And something that I talk about a lot is how we have these coping mechanisms that really are just like escapism and distraction and avoidance. And I feel well versed on being able to talk about them because I have gone through almost all of them. 
Um, and so I think that for me, awareness is the first point. Acknowledging that I'm drinking more or I'm eating more or I'm shopping more, that's the first point is just acknowledging it. Mm. And, and then like Dr. Helen said, asking yourself why. Why is that? What are you trying to distract from? Do you feel lonely? Do you feel despair about the year that's gone by? Do you feel, you know, there's so many things. It could be that Christmas is triggering for you in some manner or um, that generally just something feels a bit empty inside of you or you feel a bit depressed and you don't even realize it or you suffer with anxiety so you're trying to numb it out Mm. um so I think that it's just great that you can even admit that and thank you for the question um because acknowledgement and awareness is is the first step to Mm. anything so I think it's great and and hopefully you can start to move forward from here and and potentially look at other ways of dealing with those feelings that underlie it because it's really about what's underneath the drinking and the partying and the eating Mm. it's not so much about them just those activities yeah absolutely um and i think that this question also links in quite well with our locus of control exercise that i wanted to bring us on to so um this is a cbt or cognitive behavior therapy concept where which helps people who particularly are suffering from anxiety so anxiety is categorized by um sort of an intolerance of uncertainty and also people who are anxious tend to catastrophize or fear the worst about what's going to happen in the future so one way to kind of try to counteract that is thinking about where you have control in your life and where you don't so Do a control freak over here. Yeah. <laughs> so, Louise, you've had a little look at this yeah. um, worksheet already, which you can all find um, attached. So, what are some of the things that you worry about generally? And then we'll put them into the, the categories. Oh, goodness. Um, <laughs> so, things I worry about generally, probably where I'm going with my life. Mm. Um, am I making the right decisions? Is my career going in the right direction? Um, where is Mr. Right? <laughs> where is he? <laughs> um, am I being a good friend and family and partner to all the people around me? Um, yeah, I think those are the main things. And, you know, am I healthy? Am I looking after myself? What's going to happen with coronavirus? Am I ever going to be able to go on holiday again? Yeah. Um, Great. Yeah, probably some of those things. Yeah, no, that's great. So most of those are actually in your locus of control. You can actually affect how healthy you are, how you do in your career and mm. things like that. And what you can't affect is, you know, what the restrictions are on coronavirus. And so there's almost no point in worrying too much about those things. Um, you know, something that I do for my self-care is not watch the news too much because I find that it really gets me down. It isn't something that I can control. So I'd rather not invest my energy there. But what I can control is how often I connect with my friends, um, the the time I want to spend on my career. Um, so how about for you? Do you have specific things that you want to focus on, things that are in your locus of control that you want to prioritise? So I wrote down a couple of bullet points just before the session. Um, And I think what was interesting when I did the exercise is that I've come a long way. Um, I think I really used to focus on things outside of my control. Mm. Um, But what I've put here is that what's inside my control are my decisions and habits that I do every day, what I can do for those around me um, and myself to be the best version of myself, Small things like um, being able to go and walk outside. Like I can make that decision to go and get that vitamin D. um, Prioritise it. Or to do some exercise or movement. 
And then in terms of things which are outside of my control, this one I think might really resonate with people at home. Things that are outside of my control are what other people think about me. Mm. And I think that we have... You've got quite a public profile, don't you? So it must feel like quite a lot of pressure maybe to have followers or to have likes. Yeah, I think it's just even going one step deeper Mm. than that is like we've spoken about before. I feel like ever since my childhood, I felt like I had to be a certain version of me. And so I feel like looking back, I've I've seen a lot about how decisions I made or mm. I really cared about what I looked like or what my body looked like because I felt like I was being compared to people around me and um, probably comes from going to a competitive school environment and, you know, just always wanting to perform and achieve and mm. wanting my dad to be proud of me and wanting my mum to be proud of me. But now um, I have... I've just come to this great place where I understand that all I control, all I can control is what is in here. Mm. And I know I'm a good, kind person. And as long as I have some people around me that think that too, then that's great. Mm. And as long as I'm not actively doing anything to hurt people, the wider population, Mm. then others' opinions, I can't control them all. And if I wanted to, it would be, I'd be crippled by it. Mm. Um, So actually kind of letting that go as outside my control. Just focusing on what I can control has has been, I think, yeah, nourishing. Yeah, that, that's really, really great to hear. And it sounds like you've really grasped that concept of, you know, there are plenty of things actually that you can control. So if you are feeling low, you might feel that that's outside of your locus of control. And sometimes it is to a certain extent. It can be due to a chemical imbalance in your brain. But actually there are a number of things that are in your control that you can do and that you can prioritise. One thing that's coming up a lot in my clinical work is people worrying a lot about loved ones and friends, maybe, you know, taking too many drugs or being really depressed. Um, And you may feel that it's in your control to save them. Um, In there as well. (laughs) Yeah. And obviously as a therapist, I'm often sort of between that. Am I in control of helping that person or not? And I think what's really important is that you focus on leading almost by example. So don't preach at somebody and don't tell them what to do. Don't say, oh, stop drinking or, or just cheer up. <laughs> That's the worst. Never say to someone, cheer up. That's very bad thing to say. No, definitely. What you can do is just hold the space and accept that it's outside of your control how they feel and what their behaviours are. And at best you can just lead by an example and hope that maybe how you choose to lead your life might inspire them a little bit or might give them some new ideas. And also, just to add on to that, I would would also say that um, I have been in a situation many times over my life where I have tried to save people and help them and make them see the light and I could see the good in them Mm. even though everyone else saw the bad and so I wanted them to bring that good to the surface. But actually, often the person that ends up getting hurt by trying to save someone is really you. Um, And so I think that sometimes if people really are struggling around you during this period, like Helen said, it's great to hold space for them and to tell them everything can be great. You need to take active steps to do so. But if it is getting to a point where it is really impacting you and your mental health, also have enough love and trust for your own boundaries that if you need to step back at this time of year, because I'm sure things can be very stressful um, in Mm. lockdown. You know, there's been an increase in um, drinking, substance abuse, I think domestic violence, Mm. 
but yeah, you can't yeah. control. You can, those. yeah, you can become very embroiled in someone yeah. else's problems, um, and it's definitely something as a therapist that we have to really master is kind of knowing our boundaries and our limits on how much we can help somebody. So, if you know somebody who's really struggling, I'd recommend really listening to them. Don't try to fix the problem. Don't try to give them advice because you'll patronise them. Um, but really hear them and really try to reflect back what you're hearing, so you get a deep understanding. That's going to be very very helpful. If you're feeling a little bit overwhelmed by that person's difficulties and maybe you're not in a great place as well, just support that person with getting the right help. So, oh yeah, I love that. I always I always think it's good as well if you need to talk to someone just to ask them, do you have the emotional bandwidth to have this discussion? Because I found that that's really amazing in terms of my friends being able to say honestly I love you but right now I'm just not in a good place mm. and I actually can't help you here and then mm. that's okay you know you choose not to be offended by it and actually just acknowledge that and then mm. yeah. yeah absolutely because you know as a therapist we receive regular supervision we have our own therapy so that we can take on other people's things but not everyone you know not all friends are in that position yeah. so yeah I think that's really important and talking of friends yes <laughs> let's talk about loneliness yes um, yeah, so Louise, I know that you live on your own and I'm you know, really curious about how you're coping with lockdown as you can't really meet up easily with people face to face. Yeah, so I have to be honest and I, it's not something that I've spoken about too much because I don't want to make people that really are struggling feel even worse. But I think that I've been fine um, during really the whole pandemic. Okay. And I, I, but I think that the reason for that isn't necessarily that I'm just really resilient uh, or, or unemotional, because in fact, I'm probably quite the, quite the opposite. <laughs> um, I think it's more just that my default, as we've discussed in previous sessions, is just go, 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 busy, busy, mm. busy. So I think I've just kept myself very busy. Mm. Um, so generally, I've been fine. Um, and I've also been in a relationship. So I've had someone with me at all times. So I haven't experienced like the chronic loneliness that people might have in the first lockdown, mm. particularly when you just couldn't see anyone. Um, but I definitely feel like I am I am missing my friends mm. um, and I feel like everything's become very technology based. Yeah. Um, like I make active efforts to voice note people and call people, but I'm just missing like being able to hug someone or mm. do you know what I mean? Um, yeah. So I'd say I'm fine, but it's just starting to take its toll slightly on me in terms of technology is like putting a gap between the real human connection that mm. I think I would like. Yeah. I think, and that's such a good point, is that we can maybe spend time talking to our friends, but actually being able to hold them and embrace them is something that's really important. And obviously, you know, we all know, we've, well, most of us accept that we sort of have evolved from apes. And so, you know, grooming used to be something that we spent a lot of time doing. Physical touch releases oxytocin, which is the cuddle hormone. Yeah, it makes us feel good. I want to say such a toucher. That's <laughs> really weird. But I am so pro mm. physical touch. Like, even if I go home, I'll literally like cuddle my mom on the yeah. sofa. And I know that a lot of people would not do that, but I think that it's like a source of comfort mm. for me. And you know, I hope that if you have the opportunity to have someone that you can even just have a prolonged hug with um, mm. I think it really can help 
I don't understand, obviously, about the chemicals in the brain, but mm. just seems to really, really have a positive impact. Yeah, of course. And also um, physical touch and oxytocin can help with um, feelings of chronic stress, mm. depression. Um, and there are even studies that suggest that loneliness can actually reduce our lifespan. Um, read that. It's, it's crazy. It's really important to try to connect with people. Um, and Louise, I wonder whether you've been using work as a way maybe of not tapping into loneliness, so maybe as a way of avoiding thinking about it? Uh, yeah, I think I've done that my entire life. Um, mm. I think that whilst we speak a lot about cope, the traditional coping strategies like drinking, drug taking, um, shopping, exercise, yeah. actually, and you know, because we've gone through this journey recently together, I, I kind of just had this light bulb moment in the last few weeks where I was like, oh my goodness, the bigger, the biggest distraction out of all of them has been the work. Work, Um, So yeah, I would, I would definitely say that I just keep moving. Mm. And even though I know I should slow down and face up to what I'm feeling, it's just easier to just keep going. Mm. Um, So I have to be very um, active in terms of like, trying to not do that yeah yeah and that's you know it happens quite a lot so you know I have a lot of people come to me and say I'm really lonely but when we look at their week it's filled with work and so there isn't much opportunity actually to connect with people and sometimes it can be helpful to be quite deliberate uh, about social connection I actually schedule them into my diary as if they were a meeting. That is like the least loving thing ever. Well, it's not. No. It, do you know what I mean? No, it just it feels a bit clinical. But honestly, if I don't do that, the week just packs mm. up. And then it's been another week when I haven't seen someone or another week when I haven't gone on a walk. So maybe if you are busy or your tendency is to be busy, actively scheduling or even um, holding like Sometimes I will block out a half day or a day where I'm like, I can tell that life is going way too fast um, and I need to block this out to provide me with some space and vice versa. Maybe if people are the other way where they they go into themselves and retreat, putting that active like diarising in to see people or do something might be Mm. helpful. Definitely. I think scheduling, if you're busy and you just accept that you're busy, so scheduling in is really important. But there are also ways of doubling up. You know, if you are so busy, um, maybe going for a walk with somebody in person. That's my favourite because you get the walk in and the vitamin D in and the friend in. Yeah, perfect. And if your friend lives too far away, then scheduling with them that they could be walking and you could be walking and talking together. I like that. Um, You know, voice notes are nice, but... Maybe rather than watching a your favourite Netflix thing in the evening, schedule in a regular chat with a friend. Um, with one of my friends, we have regular yoga sessions every week, and then we catch up a bit at the end. Like via via technology. Yeah, so oh. we choose a YouTube video, and then we do it at the same time, and then we have a little chat. So, nice. so we kind of double up. Um, and I really like your idea of sort of voice notes and things, but. Maybe a way of making it a bit more personal would be sending a card, sending some flowers. I love doing that. I feel like I've got so much more purpose and I just feel amazing since I've taken time to make sure I send all my friends a birthday card or send them flowers if something good or bad happens. Um, I feel like those things today as well, they just go so far yeah. in a world of digital technology. Yeah, and of course, you know, you're giving your friend that, that happiness, but you're also 
getting yeah. happiness by the act of doing Driving it. it. Yeah. And if you want to go one step further, then, you know, writing a gratitude letter to somebody that you love about, you know, all the reasons why they're so fantastic. And then maybe even reading it to them in person. Oh, it makes me is, a bit nervous. Yeah. It's, it's actually really um, proven to improve your well-being and obviously improving great the well and great for them. That's so sweet. Um, and we spoke about, you know, our friends maybe being in a tough place. And, you know, sometimes we just can't fix it. We can't fix if they've lost a loved one, if they're shielding. We can't fix that. But we can just try and inject some positivity into their day. I love that. Okay. So. The topic that I never want to talk about. Relationships. Relationships. (laughs) Yeah. So, yeah, Louise, you've you've been in a sort of um, complicated relationship where are you at at the moment with that? Yeah, um, and just for everyone at home, I know I get lots of questions asking about it. Um, one of the reasons that I just don't talk about it that much is out of respect um, for the person, in all honesty. There's some people that don't mind um, talking about things, and then there's some people that do. Um, and in short, yeah, I have been in a relationship, and it got very intense very, very quickly, mm. just because in the first lockdown, we just um, ended up one month into the relationship, just bam, going into lockdown together. Mm. Um, And it's been the most beautiful and transformative experience. Like, it's been incredible. I'm a different person than I was when I met him, and I'm so grateful for everything. Mm. But at the same time, it's been quite a triggering situation. Um, We have brought each other's almost shadow sides to the forefront, and um, it's just been quite challenging. Mm. And I think that with lockdown particularly, it makes it, almost hard to decide to part ways because Mm. I feel like everything's been so clouded like do I feel like this because we were locked in a house together or do I feel like this because I would it have been different if we hadn't Mm. gone into lockdown it's just been I I really have struggled to work out how I feel um, and what the best step forward is so it's just become quite like a yeah beautifully messy prolonged (laughs) mess (laughs) yes yeah you're absolutely right that lockdown brings its own challenges you've perhaps relied on him more for that like physical touch and companionship than maybe you would have if you were meeting your friends Um, but equally maybe it's been a catalyst and shone a light on the cracks in your relationship because you've been together more than you would in normal literally both of those things and I think that it's yeah it's been so beautiful it's been without a doubt the most incredible relationship Mm -hmm. I've ever had but that doesn't necessarily mean that there aren't going to be issues in it. Mm. And I think it's just, yeah, when you, don't, when you don't have, like, when someone doesn't cheat on someone or someone doesn't actively say, I don't love you anymore, I don't want to be with you, mm. it's hard to almost yeah. know whether it should end or not. Um, so yeah. it's been, yeah... And, yeah, I think you're in a, a predicament that I see so often, both um, professionally and amongst my friends, is you sort of hit 30 and you find a great guy who you care about, you love, and you know will be a great dad. Sort of tick, tick, tick. But then there's something missing. Maybe you're going in different directions in your life, and it can be so difficult because you might be saying goodbye to somebody you fundamentally know you have a good connection yeah. with and is a good guy, and you know, I think in your case, you're going to being single yeah. and to maybe never meeting someone like oh, that again. Great. <laughs> <laughs> never going to be anyone ever again. But um, I guess no, that's no, the reality. It, it's, it's the fear is that you, yeah, 
for sure. Although I, I try not to live with that much fear. I, I very much trust that everything in life is happening as it should mm. for a reason um, and you just have to go with it. Um, yeah. But yeah, I just think that for anyone at, at home, I just think that lockdown really increases the intensity of relationships mm. and I'm sure that yeah, maybe people are staying in relationships that they shouldn't because it's that companionship or that people, yeah, mm. I don't know. I just think it's difficult times for relationships. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but I think fear, when you're making these decisions, it's really important to acknowledge the presence of fear because, you know, you might have a lot to unwind. You might be unwinding from living together. You might be um, sort of in your 30s or mid-30s and concerned about your biological clock, there are a lot of factors that might keep you in the wrong relationship. But I think it's really important to have enough sort of faith that you're going to find somebody and enough self-esteem that... You don't have to accept... I I feel like since the self-esteem point has been huge for me because I've realised you just need to love yourself enough easier said than done but really love yourself enough to trust that you deserve to be in mm. a really great right relationship and that mm. you, you shouldn't settle because you are worthy you really are worthy and I mm. think that before I my self-esteem and my self-worth just wasn't where it mm. is now and definitely settled for things in the past where when I look back I'm like mm. what on earth were you thinking yeah and it's also having enough self-confidence in your gut instinct because people doubt themselves all the time but if you've been having a niggling feeling for three months six months a year it's probably there for a reason and the gut doesn't lie (laughs) no and so maybe having some individual or couples therapy to find out what it is um you know might be really important and finally i think some of these relationships that go on and maybe aren't working towards a future one of you might need to cut the other one free and let them loose out of love because if one person in the relationship does want those things, you're only preventing them from getting what they want. Yeah, yeah. I agree. Can you tell that I'm like, yeah, okay. <laughs> <Don't> <laughs> let's get, let's get some questions now. We're talking about this. <laughs> yeah. Um, but no, you're right. And um, Yeah. <laughs> I think I found something that I need to pick up in therapy. (laughs) Um, We do have some more questions. Um, I just tried to have a quick shuffle through of them whilst you were talking there. And I think that this one looks really interesting because I think it's something that lots of people might um, have felt or experienced. Yeah. So um, really appreciate you speaking about loneliness. um, But I actually find Christmas really hard being at home Mm -hmm. and I would really prefer to stay in the city. My home environment is, is really stressful and my mum really triggers me by always telling me that I've put on weight or asking when I'm going to settle down. I just find it really distressing. Mm. Um, and that's really interesting because I guess it's the opposite of loneliness. It's like you have people around you, but even though you're with them, it's, it's not maybe not like, easy. it's still not easy. So I yeah. think that what it just shows that whatever your situation is, you know, the grass isn't necessarily always greener. Yeah, exactly. Do you have any advice for this person? Yeah, I do have some advice, actually. That's good. (laughs) If she doesn't, I don't know what we're going to talk about. (laughs) So, okay, there's a couple things. So I'm going to assume that this person maybe lives on their own and is an adult. And, you know, when we 
live on our own, we find our own way of doing things and our own routines. And then we come back into the family oh, home yeah. at Christmas time. Yeah. And, you know, we go from sort of independent adult back to, to child, to, child yeah. to daughter of, um, you know, or maybe we want to be on an equal playing field with our parents as two adults. And sometimes that can be a bit difficult. Um, we don't necessarily like our parents telling us what to do and they might get irritated with us you know, being like, oh, you guys need to tidy up your house it's, or whatever. It's, honestly, it's so true. Like, I have lived on my own for six years, okay? I've lived around the world on my own. But when I step foot into my family home, I am the child again. Mm. The family dynamic is so structurally strong. We are always the children. We always will be the children. And it's back into, yeah, mum in the kitchen, you know, don't cook. My mum's like, we can't cook in the kitchen because it's my mum's kitchen. Yeah, you know, It's her space in the house. Sorry, mum. <laughs> but for me, ha- having had my own kitchen for six years, it's, yeah, there's a lot of tension that can come when you end up back in the family home. Yeah. And so sometimes it can be helpful to have open and frank, yeah. mature discussions with our families about maybe how things could be improved. Um, but just approach them at a time that's not Christmas Day while you're all trying to have a lovely time. There's a, a saying in psychology, which is no problem talk at the table. So um, make the time for it in a, a separate time. And we joke about no talk at the table. I'm going to just put that down. Um, we joke about no talk at the table. But honestly, for me, in terms of active management of triggers, I have learned <laughs> Do not talk about veganism at the dinner table. Do not talk about social activism at the dinner table. Do not pick up my phone at the dinner table. Like, I've acknowledged what the triggers are for me and my family Mm. dynamic. Um, And so I guess what you're saying is maybe about kind of like setting your boundaries. And then what I'm saying is maybe that within those boundaries try to just avoid behaviours that might trigger everyone else potentially. Yeah, exactly. So if you want to have a more challenging discussion with your family strike while the iron's cold don't talk about it at a time that's supposed to be celebratory and fun because it could just ruin it for everybody um but coming back to that question specifically sorry because we've gone on a bit of a tangent um so you were talking about how your mum maybe criticizes you and picks up on things that you're sensitive about um i want to introduce a little concept called a stroke and a push so (laughs) um people can find it quite confrontational if you say don't do that and whatever but they can be much more receptive and open if you give them a nice stroke so what I mean by that literally well you could give them a cuddle (laughs) (laughs) why not give them a cuddle if you're allowed to um but what I mean by that is you know really acknowledge the wonderful things maybe that your mum does I I have no idea whether your mum does this but you know you could say mum I really am grateful that at Christmas time you go through a lot of effort home cooking Um, I love that we can all be together as a family I like that you give me good advice and I like that you care about me and in fact if you can say nine good things for one piece nine nine for for one piece of constructive criticism that's (laughs) (laughs) that's actually the ideal ratio for a healthy relationship just well that's interesting because I feel like I would just be like mum I love you but I hate it yeah when you ask me xyz so yeah. is that not the way to do it it's okay I mean or is that the stroke like that's I the appreciate stroke. You yeah so you caring for me and that you're trying you're trying to help yeah. me but actually um, I really don't want to talk about it it makes me feel uncomfortable I feel upset about the fact that I put on weight or I don't have a partner and um I would appreciate if we could avoid those discussions this Christmas just to keep it happy for everyone. 
Exactly, yeah. Okay. So that, that was really good. So, you know, it depends on how much um, stroking you might need to do of that person because some people aren't very receptive or they might just, you know, maybe they're just a bit more sensitive. So you do as much stroking as you feel is necessary. <laughs> um, Nine strokes <laughs> and a push. And a push. <laughs> and then when you're talking, as Louise just did a really good example, as you're talking we about... We didn't even prep that. <laughs> yeah, it was just very good. Out. You're learning. <laughs> yeah, so as you're trying to set those boundaries use the I statements so when you say that I've put on weight or when am I going to find a partner it makes me feel not good enough blah 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 and it means that I just can't relax and enjoy Christmas with you guys okay keep it concise yeah keep it precise I love that and we have got loads more questions but I'm just conscious of time yeah I think we'll just keep going um if that's okay with you yes perfect okay so the final section um that we want to talk to you about today is reflecting on the year that we've just had in a compassionate way and planning for the future so Louise you've had a little look at the worksheet I have um what are some of the things that you feel have gone well this year for you Okay, so I've actually written them down um, and I put highlights from 2020. Starting open house, feeling more purpose in my life, started therapy, lived in a different country, entered into a very transformative relationship that helped me grow and change as a person, continued being sober, found a little bit more balance, particularly with exercise, um, became closer with my family during lockdown and I'm proud that I've continued my veganism. Yeah, excellent. So what's so nice about that is that at the end of the year, sometimes we can look back and think we haven't done enough. We haven't been good enough. But if we reflect on all of those things, it can really help, you know, culture sort of promote um, gratitude and just help us not be so harsh on ourselves. Be more Yeah, like I feel really happy looking at that list mm. as well because I feel like we're all, you know, you see all over social media these memes that are like, oh, 2020, the year that was wasted, the year that mm. should be written off from history. But if, you, if I look at my list of high points and low points, the high points actually really outweigh um, the low points. So mm. I think it's it's... I love this idea of looking back compassionately because we're very, it's very easy to get into this mindset where we're we're all like, I don't want to swear, but you know, oh, 2020 was the worst. Like Mm. what a bad year. What a useless year. Mm. And actually it was just another year in our journey, another armor in our toolkit to teach us that actually life is unpredictable and uncertain. Yeah. And I think for you, it's also been an opportunity. So I think you, started this year with the intention of prioritizing your mental health and your mental well-being and not prioritizing work so much Mm. and I think coronavirus has meant that in order to survive this year you've had to keep up with your commitment of you know prioritizing your mental health so you do yoga every morning and those kinds of things so sometimes with great difficulty comes an opportunity to change a reminder to change and keep it up I love that um I saw last week on social media that someone was calling lockdown love <coughs> love down Aww. and I just thought you know it's a bit of a silly name but actually if you look at it as this year having just and next year as well no matter what it brings as being just another opportunity to work on yourself yes the external situations around us are unpredictable and uncertain but hopefully you know you have some space that is your own space you have a house and you have time 
and you have the internet and there's a thousand million resources out there that can start your self-development journey or mm. spirituality journey dependent on what it is that you feel passionate about mm. um, absolutely so, yeah. absolutely and so I guess this journaling exercise is also important to reflect on maybe what didn't go so well or what didn't go to plan so what did you come up with um so I started with chronic pain Mm. so um lots of people watching this that already follow me will know that I live with fibromyalgia which is a chronic pain disorder um which is basically just related to stress but I feel it physically in my body Mm. um and it's something I've lived with for a decade it's been particularly bad over the last 12 to 18 months um Mm. so that's definitely been a low point and it's but I'm looking at add it as something that I still need to master and work through um and I also put there's definitely been negative traits that still rear their head so um obviously everyone's goal in life is balance and I don't know if anyone ever actually makes it there but I have got closer to it than ever before but there's definitely still things that I have not got balanced and I think that the working, like the workaholism, Mm. I can just work and work and work and take on more work and do more podcasts. And that is something that I definitely still need to to work on. Um, They're actually the two only two things that I wrote down. Um, I guess I think I really missed my family as well. Like Mm. I miss not being able to just go and see my mum and my dad. And I definitely feel like um, it's sad as you get older, you feel like everyone's getting older and you know one day that your parents won't be with you anymore and I I have felt that more intensely this year and I've really wanted to be with them and be present and tell them how much I love them Mm. Um, but obviously with coronavirus it's not been possible Mm. so I think that you know something I can take from that is that I just want to nurture those relationships even more next year Mm. yeah yeah I guess the good thing is um sort of if you want to find balance i.e. work less and you want to nurture those social connections then that's almost sounding a bit like a goal for next year um what are your goals for next year okay so um i know that we spoke before about goals should be really coming from like internal locus of success rather than like being judged around metrics that society puts on you Mm -hmm. because i think before my targets would have been to do this in business or make this much money or travel to this many countries. Um, Whereas I have put, continue to pursue purpose and meaning through open house by helping people and contributing and giving back to the world. Mm -hmm. Nurture my friendships and my family um, more. Mm -hmm. Master my pain and live uh, a less, a more pain-free life and just a little bit more balance. Mm. Yeah. I don't know if they're goals, but that's what I felt like I, I'm looking for for from next year. Yeah, focus on. I think those are really good goals. And, um, you know, when you're looking at this worksheet and you're trying to set goals for the new year, try to make them smart. So, you know, specific as possible, measurable, attainable, realistic and time limited so that you kind of have a chance of achieving them. But I think also sometimes goals can feel maybe a bit tokenistic and we can forget about them come, you know, the end of January. So one tip I have for you is about making things a habit, making them part of your lifestyle and your routine so that they don't fall off the radar. Yeah, I think you're right. I haven't put like times against any of those. But actually, when I look back at this year, it's the things, it's the small things that I did every day that added up to the big things. So it's almost like taking them and then breaking it down. Like, okay, how do I want to nurture my friends and family more? Okay, well, maybe I'll go on two walks every week and I'll go and see my parents. You know, it sounds a bit like rigid, but Mm. maybe putting those boundaries in for me at least, not boundaries, um, like targets would help me like 
get there. Otherwise, all of a sudden it's August and you're like, oh, bugger, half the year's gone and I haven't actually done anything. Absolutely. And, um, you know, one of my clients was saying that she was feeling that, that she was starting to sort of not spend quality time with her parents anymore. So they decided to reinstate the Sunday roast, which was a tradition that she always liked. Um, And so now every Sunday she goes with her family to her parents for Sunday roast. And it's just part of their routine now. I love that. That's so nice. Um, I'm aware that we are coming up to an hour. Um, So... I know we've got so much more that we'd love to talk about, but if you're happy, should we do one more yeah, question? Let's, Does that work for you? Let's do it. Okay, perfect. Um, I always find it's so difficult to pick. Um, okay. I love Christmas. It's my favourite time of the year, but this year with all the restrictions, it's just not going to be as fun as usual. I'm desperately missing the pubs and bars being open and the Christmas parties. Mm. Any advice? Yeah. So, you know, I I do empathise with this person because, yeah, Christmas is a time of celebration, of, you know, letting loose and having a good time. Um, But I'm also hearing, you know, maybe it's about drinking and having fun in that way. Yeah, why does drinking have to equate to fun? (laughs) Because it doesn't. I promise you, like, any if you want to listen to anything that we've done on sobriety... You don't have to drink to have fun. But I know that it's part of society. But I would just urge you as well to realise that don't have that mindset that just because these places are closed that you can't have fun. Mm. There's so many other ways that you can connect with people and have yeah. fun. Yeah. So, of course, there are a lot of losses. We can't go to a pub. We can't have a big um, New Year's Eve celebration. Oh, yeah. That's going to be weird, isn't it? <laughs> I hadn't even thought about that. Yeah. I can tell I'm so old. I just don't even party anymore. I don't think about it. <laughs> um, but maybe, you know, what you love about Christmas is feeling close and connected to people. So you can still do that. Um, and maybe this is also an opportunity to have it, find a new way of having fun, maybe a more wholesome way <laughs> of having fun. So rather than rewarding yourself with binge drinking, maybe you could reward yourself with a Peloton bike. <laughs> <laughs> so expensive though. If anyone wants to buy and, buy and send me a Peloton bike, yeah. I would happily take that. <laughs> but I mean, there are still ways of treating yourself yeah. that are more wholesome. I, agree. Um, I feel like, you know, food... Yes. You can still enjoy that with family and have an amazing home-cooked meal or watch um, Christmas movies or um, if you really must, I guess you can get drunk at home with your family. It's just different, isn't it? Mm. Um, yeah. I'm not sure that's very good advice from me, um, say, to be honest. <laughs> what, to, to get drunk at home? Yeah. I just think that, um, I think my piece of advice would be just to take every day as it comes and really just see, you know, what you can do each day that can add a little bit of joy to your life. And it's going to be different joy to what it was before. Um, But I think hopefully acknowledging that it's going to be different, but it can still be beautiful. Mm. Exactly. And what you were mentioning there about sort of getting drunk at home, just because it's a habit or a tradition doesn't mean that you can't change it. Um, You know, Louise, you did that, where just gradually the habit of drinking crept up and up to the point where it was unhelpful. Um, But you can just make a decision not to drink uh, during the week. Yeah, and actually use this as an an amazing chance to, like, test not drinking or... um, Yeah, I love it. Looking at it as, like, an opportunity rather than it being a restriction. Mm. Yeah. Okay. And moderation can be fun. Yes. (laughs) 
Um, I would love us to keep going through these, but I am aware of time. So at this point, we should probably wrap up. Um, and I just want to say a big thank you for you and everything yeah. that you bring to these sessions. I feel like it's so helpful for me and everyone at home. Well, thank you for bringing your honesty and your openness. And I just want to wish you all at home such a happy Christmas. Take this as an opportunity to rest and recuperate. Turn off your phone and your laptop and have a great new year as well. Yeah, I agree. Make sure you connect with those around you. Check in on people. Ask how they're doing. Um, just be honest with yourself about how you're feeling. And yeah. Next year is going to be a good year um, and we're going to be here throughout uh, with lots of exciting things for you. <laughs> so we hope you have an amazing Christmas and a great new year and we will speak to you very soon. Take care. Take care. Bye. Bye. Hello, I'm Mark. And I'm Bethan. And we're the hosts of Seeing Red. We deliver intriguing, terrifying and dumbfounding true crime stories each and every week. With a focus on cases from the UK, we do occasionally venture overseas. We've covered everything from the mysterious death of professional footballer Emiliano Sala to the attempted murder of Victoria Cilias, a woman who fell from the sky and lived to tell the tale. Binge our bulging back catalogue and join us every Wednesday for a new episode of Seeing Red.